cling to that truth that there is no one like you and that we need you. And Father, I pray that you'll build a foundation around that in our lives. I pray that you'll lead us into your love more deeply here this morning. Father, we love you a lot. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Have a great time. It's like half our church went out the building, didn't they? Man, very good. How are we doing this morning? Good. As I said, my name is Dallas. If I haven't met you, I'd love the opportunity to meet you after the service, get to know you a little bit better. Come talk to me. I'd love to meet you. Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 42 today. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and, and read this whole passage here. Essentially, as you're turning there, uh, the psalmist is writing in desperation out to God. Um, He's in a situation likely where he's running for his life from his enemies, and he doesn't necessarily feel God close in this moment, and maybe he hasn't felt God close for some time. So he cries out to God here in Psalm 42. says this. says, as the beer, uh, as the the beer, yeah, there you go, good start. "As As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throngs. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock... Why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Let's pray again once more. Father, Uh, We thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that you will help us to receive uh, these words this morning. Help your scripture to uh, illuminate in our lives. Holy Spirit, do the work of illumination for us here this morning that we may um, accept and not only accept but be rooted into these truths here this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, this morning we were going to talk about money, um, but Monday morning I had a little bit of a heart change. I was in Psalm 42, and I kind of felt like that's where God was leading us here today. And then uh, Monday night, a lot of you may be aware of this, but Monday night there was a big football game on uh, between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. And this game was a really important game because it would likely determine who had the number one seed for the playoffs, which meant a bye week into the playoffs, which meant home field advantage for the whole playoffs. And, and so this was a, a really important game. And if you asked probably the teams beforehand, what is the worst case scenario for this game? It would probably have been something like we lose the game, we get a lower seed in the playoffs, and maybe we lose a player to injury for the playoffs. That would have been probably the worst case scenario. But as a lot of you know, what happened next would really change everything. I mean, people had been preparing for this game all year long, likely these players their whole lives, and in one second, nobody cared about the game anymore, did they? They cared about the life of a 24-year-old man named Damar Hamlin, who in one second fell into cardiac arrest, required nine minutes of CPR just to restore his heartbeat, and he was left in critical condition. An ambulance would take him off the field and take him to the hospital where he remains still today, fighting for his life. And in more than 50 years in the NFL, no one had really seen uh, an event quite like this. In fact, you would see both teams that they had tear-stained eyes or they had that kind of blank, jarred look at what happened. And it had been reported that they would have uh, five minutes, I don't know if this was true or not, but that they would have five minutes to kind of warm back up and play the game. But as that was being announced, I looked at the players, and on both sides, none of them warmed up. Um, most of them were on their knees praying, thinking about DeMar Hamlin. And so the NFL decides to go ahead and postpone the game. This was, uh, you know, really unheard of to this point, to go ahead and postpone the game and in fact they've canceled the game since then and here's the thing it would have been difficult for them to play this game because at this point it, it would have been hard to determine who the teams really were I mean I don't know if some of you kind of caught this footage but you know Cincinnati Bengals and Buffalo Bills were together coaches and fans families were on the field it would have been difficult to discern who belongs to what place because in this moment we were no longer having different identities. All we were were desperate humans calling on God to do something. And we were no longer calling on teams or the NFL this, or even our government officials or anybody. It had to be God because this was such a desperate situation that we decided we've got to call on God here. So the coaches, they got together, they said, look, we can't play the game. The coach for the Bills said, I've got to go to the hospital to be with my player. And in fact, you'd, see, you'd hear all these stories come from this, that, that uh, the Cincinnati Bengals fans would just go all night long, just stay right outside the hospital. This isn't even their, their team, 
This is from Buffalo Bills to pray. And then you'd see Buffalo Bills players go and pray with Cincinnati Bengal fans. They were all desperate for God to do something. And I think what we have to understand this morning is, is that in these moments, when we truly realize that God is all we have left and that we've got to cling to him, we've got to realize that he still hears us. He still hears us, and he wants to be there, and he loves to work in these situations. His response isn't like my response might be of, hey, where was this earlier? Like you're just now coming to me because you have to now because I'm the only one at this point who can do something about it. No, he hears us, and it's exactly where he wants to be. I want us to understand here this morning that in the tragedy, in the mess, in the pain, even the self-inflicted mess, that's exactly where God wants to be. He met the Samaritan woman at the well. He went to the pool of Bethesda. He went to the tax collector's booth. He was in the manger, and he went to the cross. He loves to be in messy, messy places. Do we understand that here this morning? Back to the DeMar Hamlin situation. Man, I don't know if you guys saw this, but even uh, a commentator on ESPN, which hasn't exactly been um, really friendly to Christian beliefs historically. I mean, the guy prays live on television, and nobody gives him any pushback for it. Why? Because it was a desperate situation, and we understood in that moment. Things were finally wired the way that they were supposed to be, even if just for that moment, that God is above it all. Uh, we'll get back into that situation here in a minute, but let's go back to Psalm 42. The uh, psalmist here, again, he's, it's this moment of desperation, and he says, uh, God, like a deer, I nailed it that time, <laughs> like a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. Now, a deer will pant for water after it's been chased by an enemy. Um, a deer doesn't often pant outside of a chase by an enemy. There's this combination of, of fear and the actual chase that makes them just, you know, like a, like a dog pants, right? Like, I need water. I need water. He says, as a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. Verse 5, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So do you see what's happening here in this verse right here? I want you, if you're not in a desperate situation now, I want you to highlight this verse because eventually sometime in your life you will face a desperate situation and you will need a verse to cling to. If you, if you don't already have one, this is it right here. Verse 5. And men, <laughs> we are so bad at this first part, I think. I mean, I can speak for myself at least. That... We don't often acknowledge where we're at. Like, I don't know about you guys, but there's been times in my life where, you know, my world's kind of caving in and I'm like, oh, it's all good. It'll be fine. Right? But he doesn't do that. The psalmist doesn't do that here. He acknowledges where he's at. He says, I'm downcast, God. He's, he's real with God. He says, you know, this is how I'm feeling, God. And he gives it to him. Y'all, I think we could probably improve, men, on just acknowledging where we're at. In the situation. Because here's the thing. We have to operate in truth. 
Truth has to be our foundation for us to move forward. Now, I do think that there is something to be said for resilience. I do think there's something to be said for resilience. But we have to have a foundation of truth to work with. But then it doesn't stop there. What does he say next? He says, why are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed? And then he says, put your hope in God. So he's leading himself into what he knows to be true, despite what he is facing or feeling. Now that is crucial for us in our faith. Because the enemy wants us to stay downcast, to say, okay, this thing is so difficult, there's nothing you can do about it, and you're just going to be downcast, and that's just the way that it is. That's why we have to consciously praise what is true, even when we don't feel like it. This verse right here, highlight it again, verse 5. We've got to acknowledge where we are, tell God where we are, and then lead ourselves into what's true and praise him for what's true, even when that is not what's on our heart, so that it slowly can become where our heart is. Verse 6, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. A few weeks ago, we talked about how gratitude is the pathway of taking what we know to be true and making it the place that our confidence is. So what he's doing here is he's saying, okay, here's the reality of where I am right now. He's not denying that. He's not pretending that it's not true. He's saying, I'm downcast. That's where I'm at, God. I, I want you to meet me in this space. I'm downcast. But I also know what's true, that I can put my hope in you, and the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to remember and I'm going to reflect on all that you've done in my life. So he just sits. And in fact, three different times he says, I'm downcast. He says, I, I put, put your hope in God. No, I'm, I'm still not there. I'm downcast. Put your hope in God. And it's just this battle, this internal battle that I think we all face at times. Even when things are good, I think sometimes we face this battle, don't we? And so what he does is he says, I'm going to lean into remembrance and reflection in this moment so that I can put my hope in the Lord. And what we do is we realize over time of reflecting and remembering and dwelling in these truths, we remember that we have him in the midst. And if we have him in the midst, then we do have everything that we need to face that struggle. Or better yet, not that we have him, he has us, which is all the more better. And wouldn't it be great if it didn't take desperate times for us to get there? I mean, what if we could start our days, there's a, a friend of mine, her husband was going through some severe health issues, and she got to this point of desperation for him. She said, I, I need you, God, I need you in this moment, I need you to intervene. And then after that situation was over, she said, you know, it shouldn't take a situation like this for me to understand how desperate I am for him. And so what she does is she starts every, every day on her knees until she gets to the point of orient, orienting her heart to that truth that, God, I need you. I mean, I, I need you right now. I mean, things may be good or whatever, but, like, I need you. What would it look like for us each day 
to start our day with that truth, that apart from him we can do nothing, that we need him every second of every day. What would it look like for us to start our days that way? Um, I told you guys about my battle with panic disorder um, in 2016, and uh, I got to tell y'all, I mean, I, I want to preface this by saying, one, this is just my experience. I'm just speaking from my experience, but I've got to tell you, some, sometimes I kind of miss those moments. Um, I don't want to go back there. I don't have like a martyr complex, I don't think, um, but the closeness that I had because I literally had to come before God and say, God, I've wrecked every, I mean, I, I've tried these things. I cannot get there. God, I need you in these moments. And, and sometimes today I, I get caught thinking, you know what, I, I love you, God, and I, you're still number one in my life, and I want to spend time with you, but, but I'm not sure that I need you. And I'm quickly reminded when life hits me in the face that, yeah, actually, you need him. In fact, yesterday, um, one of the things that, that has been sort of a lasting effect from the panic disorder, I haven't dealt with it in, in six years, praise God for that. Um, but one of the lasting things is that when a little bit of like darkness hits me, sometimes it can kind of like lead me down a path of just, just melancholy at times. And, and yesterday... I mean, just yesterday, it hit me again. I start going down this path of melancholy, melancholy. And then I remembered, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And I remember the verse from Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And I dwelled in that, dwelled in it. said, I, I lack nothing. What does it look like for me to actually, like, live my life and embrace that truth that I lack nothing? Let's continue. As we start our days, let's get a battle plan ready. Whether that's Psalm 42 or that Psalm 23 that we just talked about, whether it's just getting on your knees and praying before God and saying, God, I, I need you. Or maybe it's that apart from me, I can do nothing. Maybe we just say that over and over. Apart from, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Get our battle plans ready. It shouldn't take desperate situations for us to understand that we are desperate for him, that we are desperate for him. Well, we started our time talking about the DeMar Hamlin situation, which, by the way, I, I'm not going to, you know, come in and talk about all, like, every relevant big thing that's going on, but God led us into uh, Psalm 42 on Monday morning. This happened Monday night. I felt like this is where God was leading us this week. Um, but we still don't know what's, what it's going to look like in his life. We don't know if he'll survive it. Now, praise God. God has heard prayers in this situation. I mean, that's clear. We have seen him take steps forward, and we praise God for that because he has taken steps forward. But we don't know, ultimately, he's still in critical condition. We don't know what's going to happen with him. But we do know two things for sure. One, that we never pray in vain. He always hears our prayers, and he wants to be in these messy, dark situations. And for him to be alive, even, is a miracle. I mean, guys, we, we came to God and we prayed and all that, you know, but, but then when God does see a situation through, sometimes we think, oh, well, maybe it was this or maybe it was that. No, no, no. God has heard our prayers, and he continues to hear our prayers when he comes to him, and that's the first thing. And the second thing is this, is that we already know how everything ends. 
In times of desperation, guys, we know how it all ends. Those who put their hope in God, everything always ends in life. That those who put their hope in God always ends in life. Whether God graciously gives us 120 years here on earth, or he goes ahead and he takes us into eternal glory. It always ends in life because Jesus has overcome the grave itself. We can take heart in the fact that it will always end in life. Uh, to end our time together today, there's a, there's a verse that sort of ties the whole thing together that I'd love to read. And it's my dad's birthday and it's his favorite verse, so I'd love to honor him by reading this as we conclude. It's Isaiah 40, 31, it says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Then y'all, some of you here today, I know you're dealing with stuff. And I know. Keep your hope in the Lord. Keep your hope in the Lord. Don't go to other things. Don't think other things may satisfy because, you know, you haven't really heard from him yet. I want you to wait. Keep your hope in the Lord, because those who do will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Put your hope in the Lord, and strength is coming. Don't go to other things. Put your hope in the Lord, and strength is coming. If you're here today and you're dealing with stuff, man, I want you to be encouraged by that truth. Put your hope in the Lord. And strength is coming. And maybe you're somebody here today who, who, uh, who isn't in a desperate situation. And you just kind of have felt like I have at times that, you know what, I, I'm doing okay. Uh, I'm doing okay. I don't need to start my day in desperation. I don't need to cry out to God. I want to encourage you, guys, that is not a good place to be. That is not a good place to be. Let, what does it look like for us? whether we're in a desperate situation or not, to understand that we are desperate for him. I mean, we are desperate for him. If we need to start our days on our knees, if that's what it takes for us to understand that we are desperate for him, y'all, let's do that together as Grace Meadows Church. Uh, we're going to pray together. Before I do that, I'm going to introduce a, a new song that we're going to do. It's, uh, it's called Come to the River. All those who are thirsty, if you want to be refreshed, Y'all, God will refresh our souls like only he can. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you um, that you do. Like all throughout the scriptures, you desire to be in messy and difficult situations. And in fact, if we are here today and we are in a messy or difficult situation, whether we've induced it or not, that you want to be present in those situations. And so, Father, help us to just call on you, to put our hope in you. Father, because you are the, the well that never goes dry. I mean, we can come to you and if we're thirsty each morning, like we can actually choose to be thirsty. That even if it's a, a desperate, not a desperate situation, we can actually choose to be desperate for you and pant for you and say, God, we need you. Father, help us. Help us to be that kind of church remake us in this truth to just come to you and be desperate for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is our time to worship. If you need to come to the altar,
you need to talk with somebody, I'll be here at the front. Um, worship the way that you feel led during this time.